This is a podcast of two type A girls working hard to untangle the BS stories and expectations related to this illusion of perfection. Life is hard enough without adding pressure to be more, do more, be the best. It's an ever moving target. And so, in an attempt to inch closer to our authentic selves, the vulnerable, messy, and uniquely beautiful, we have decided to push back. Bit by bit, we are untangling society's demands of us, sinking in to our own intuition. If something makes us feel more alive, we're doing more of that. If something drains us, we're gonna practice removing ourselves. This is a journey we hope you'll join us on. Together, we will explore insights, tips, and tricks, all in an attempt to help you uncover your truest, most authentic self. We're back. We're back. Here we are. It's so funny. We were just talking before we came on. Just both of us are going to sound a little nasally, and tis the season of fall and weather changing crazily up and down. So we apologize. Yes, proactively. We do not sound like ourselves, but hopefully (laughs) the messages sound like (laughs) us because it is us, whether or not it sounds like us. Um, Okay, I am excited. I think today is a topic that I've obviously talked passionately about or mentioned, at least in some of the episodes, and I know you've kind of alluded to it, and so I think it's going to be a good one. I'm excited as well. I think it was in probably values, but also in the Get to Know Us episode, we touched heavily on this topic, which is leadership. And I know when I think of you, that's probably like one of the top descriptors I would use. So I'm excited for you and just to hear more of your thoughts, because I think you're a great leader. Oh my gosh, I am no Brene Brown. I was thinking about that before we popped out. I'm like, who am I to talk about leadership when the other people that we reference in this, like are the epitome of what a leader should be and have done all this research. But I will say that like digging into some of those pieces or concepts um, have helped to shape some of my style as well. So I'm super excited to kind of dig into what leadership is, how do we develop it, um, how does that manifest both in professional and then personal Mm -hmm. lives. Is it important? Is it something we should all be striving for or no, because I'll never be in that type of position, like all of the things. Yes. I don't think it's fair to discount yourself though, because I mean, I haven't had a ton of bosses, but you're like one of the best leaders, if not the best leader I've ever had. So like, I wouldn't discredit yourself. And you speaking of Brene Brown, it would take me forever to find it. But I remember like maybe six months ago, sending you like a screenshot of Brene Brown's book and it was about leadership and I was like this is so you so I think you mirror her more closely than you think that is a giant compliment thank you I also think I was your first big girl boss and so you might have kind of some rose-colored glasses. No. But let's... <laughs> <laughs> because I've had other bosses since. Not to say they're bad, but you are like above and beyond. Well, let's dig into the, what those pieces are and then how, like I said, that manifests. Because I am a big believer that leadership is not just in a work setting. Yep. And not only for that role of CEO, boss, director. Um 
Yeah, so I'm excited. I think a good place to start, as we often, often do, is... Definitions. Definition. How would we define leadership? So again, I don't have one, which I should have known that I should have defined it before. Gosh, that's your go-to. I know. Um, To me, a leader is somebody that you can look up to, somebody that inspires you, but also somebody who is encouraging of your own growth so not a great (laughs) well-rounded definition but those are my general thoughts that's okay I did hear some characteristics likely that obviously are important to you that a leader um emulates so I think this is I mean that was a good start or a peek into your world like what's important to you and a leader um I also had a really hard time kind of summing it up. So I looked one up and tweaked it a little bit, but found the one that I felt fit Okay. Um, a little bit, but it's kind of also purposely bland. Um, so I just put the ability to influence and guide members of an organization, society, or team. So influence and guide, and like I bolded, the word guide, because I don't, I don't love when a leader or the idea that a leader directs and instructs and tells you what to do. I find it more important when a leader helps guide you or bring you to the answer yourself. And so I think we'll obviously get into that a little bit, but, um, As a start, just the ability to influence and guide members of said team, organization, um, society at large, whatever that may be. That discussion of like influence versus direct makes me think of the cliche saying of it's like a team is we, not I sort of thing. Because I think somebody that is taking on more of that directing only, it's almost like this is my vision and this is how it's going to be as opposed to really trying to see what the team can come up with as a whole yes and so the I mean I think the first point when I started like reflecting a little bit um is this idea of empowerment so that's the word that came to mind for me and kind of in my philosophy or style first um and again, that does is not the only way to be a leader, and that is not the only facet of it. Um, and I could empower people to be themselves and be good at X, Y, Z, or develop in whatever way. But again, if that's not helping in, in a job situation, right? If that's not helping meet a mutual goal or outcome, whatever that may be, depending on your line of work, um that's not going to be overly helpful either. If I'm just empowering people to be yourself, and but there's no commonality or no um, shared interest, not interest, but yeah, goal. Like what is our outcome? So whether or not that's producing a product or that's publishing something or that's um, getting more programming out to the community or um, making sure the kids in the classroom are all safe in our learning or what, whatever that is, right? We... There is a product or a process that you're working towards. Mm -hmm. 
So the empowerment is toward a goal, but allows for some individualization, I think, which is really important. Like I'm not leading 20 of the exact same people, right? Everyone's their own person. But when I talk about empowerment, the idea that it has to be genuine. So I'm not just saying I believe in you or I want what's best for you. Um, and I think we talked about in the Valleys episode that that too is one of my values is that genuineness. Right. Um, so genuinely empower. And the three caveats or things that came from that for me was, again, that genuine belief in an individual or numerous individuals. Um the ability to challenge that individual to think outside the box or I believe that you can figure this out on your own. I'm not going to give you the answer. So let me um, challenge you to do it yourself. Um, And then the third one goes along with that challenge. And I find myself doing this a lot in my current line of work. And probably one of the areas that I've worked on developing in the last couple of years, more so than before, just as I've grown or had more experience. And that's asking leading questions so people can discover the answers themselves. Okay. So, so and that goes along with challenge. I believe in them that they're going to be able to come to a solution or an option that's worth exploring. Um, but the way I'm challenging them is just saying like, no, I'm not helping you. I think you can do it. Or here's a problem. Go figure it out. It's that idea of the guiding, right? So like asking questions that helps them think or come to their own answer. Oftentimes that's heavily influenced by the amount of experience an individual has, right? Or what skills they currently have. So I have someone um, with me in my job now who is looking to grow in leadership opportunities and wanting to like move up eventually. And so I'm pretty open with her that like, I am not giving you answers. And in the last year and a half, like when she comes to me and asks for my opinion, I almost never directly give it. So I know that she wants to grow. And so I challenge her or ask probing questions that gets her to not just see a situation as it is, but to be able to take a step back and think, how does that influence this? Or what if you came to me and my answer was just no? Like, what else would you do? Have you thought about this? What if this other factor, you put that into play or you isolated this factor and was able to account for that? Like, so, and I really openly challenge her and I've kind of seen growth in her that she's now doing that with like some of our coworkers or Um, in a healthy way. And she's doing that with some of her teachers that she's coaching instead of just giving them answers in a desire to be really helpful. Um, But sometimes that enables an individual to just always come to you for the answers. And what if I'm not available or she's not available? Like I need them to grow some skills. And so um, kind of helping you help yourself. And so I think those three things for me with that empowerment was like a belief in that person, a willingness to challenge them which sometimes and for surely takes more effort than just giving an answer sometimes and then asking those leading questions to help them that discover an answer themselves and oftentimes by asking those questions they're able to come up with solutions that are way more creative than either one of us could have come up with on our own 
going back to seeing like the true potential of a full team as opposed to just one mind really and I was gonna say all of these techniques you're using it's almost as if you're developing other leaders like you yourself are a leader but you're trying to inspire that in other people um I'm curious how you're able to almost tailor this approach to different people though because I know for like you and I we have very similar mindsets and work ethics so we are all about that challenge and want that opportunity for growth but I'm sure you've experienced like having people that you are leading who like not to a fault even though like that's like my first instinct like maybe they are just okay like I'm showing up for my job and I'm doing I'm doing what I'm asked and that's it like how do you handle that I wouldn't say this is an area that like is second nature necessarily yet like there's still situations where I'm like, God bless, why can't they just X, Y, Z, right? Like, why are we having this conversation again? Like, I don't think there's any leader or person that, like, is forever at 100% of an ideal role in any capacity. Um, I do think, like, I think about that leading questions one. And someone who maybe is ready for more, I'm going to ask very open-ended questions. Whereas if I'm with someone who's newer or still developing, I might be saying, like, what do you think about this? So, like, I might be kind of giving an answer and leaving, not telling them, but, like, have you thought about this? Mm -hmm. And it might be a little bit more direct or, like, oh, if it was me, like, I would probably do this or this. And then, like, they still have space to individualize and tailor it. Um, and so build on that skill agency. Yes, yes, yes. So we're kind of setting those, um, building blocks maybe would be a good piece of that. Um, however, having said that, that brings me to another piece that I'm also pretty passionate about is like the development of systems. So when I was reflecting on this, it was not just, a lot of our work is like really nuanced and there's not a always there's not always a right or wrong answer and there's certainly not just one way to do things mm-hmm. um and again we all know like many things that come up for me like could be considered <laughs> a crisis and a big deal um to most so people <laughs> to most individuals yes um and like in my current job we have like for example 54 different schools in my school district And um, within those 54 schools, like the culture and makeup of those schools is very, very, very diverse. We're like, I looked it up the other day, like out of 18,300 school districts in the country, we're number like 37. So we're very diverse, a wide range of socioeconomic, like we have a lot of things going on, right? And so every campus is very, very different. But that idea of equity and all students deserve a chance and an opportunity and all teachers deserve a chance and opportunity, blah, blah, blah. How do we put in systems that are equitable while also being sensitive to individual situations? Exactly. That's like hard. a huge part of my job is that, yes, we want equality and access to health and healthcare and all of that, but when you have such different groups, 
it's not a one size fits all approach because that's like the least equitable thing you could do. So that's a lot of work. Correct. Absolutely. And on the front end, I would say that myself, my boss and like my coworker, like the three of us are a leadership team. And in the last year and a half, two years, we've done a lot, a lot, a lot of work on systems. And this is the way you do this part of your job. And this is the fidelity checklist. When I go into any of these specific classrooms, whether I'm at this end of the district or this end, it should have these common things. What that looks like might look different, but some of these things are non-negotiable, right? How you do them can be different, but the idea themselves have to be present, whatever that is, right? So when I say systems, that allows us to lean into accountability, which is also a big part of leadership. Like you're doing your job, you're not doing your job. Um, You're doing it, but we're missing the boat on a couple pieces, right? We have some gaps. We have, is it a skill versus a will? All of those things. If we have systems in place, it allows for accountability without surprises. So I'm not holding you accountable to something that you don't even know is an expectation. Right. Right? So we revisit these things. Every other week we have a meeting with my team and Many times we're saying the same thing at a lot of the meetings. It's like, I know you guys heard this last week, but it is an expectation that XYZ is documented and uploaded within 24 hours of having that meeting. So at any point I can go on the Google Drive and I can see where you're at in this process. And that's not to micromanage. That's if someone else calls and says, what is this person doing? I may be able to easily find it and also help to defend you guys. Like you guys are doing good work and But if we don't document it, it didn't happen, right? That's a big thing in our field, So, or a lot of fields. So we have systems for a reason. I can hold you accountable so you aren't being held accountable or um, marked down for things that you don't even know are expectations. And having said that, the importance of revisiting expectations allows us to hold you accountable. Because if I only tell you at the beginning of the year and at the end of the year, you haven't been doing it the whole time, but I never revisited that with you. Poor leader. Shame on me, not shame on you. Right. And so if there's an issue, we're going to address it right away so we can think of a way to work on it together. How can I help? What are the barriers? Um, what are some areas that you're struggling in? How can we adjust some of these this workflow or your boundary? Whatever it is, right? Your bandwidth. Um, but I need to be aware of those things and I, and. I need you to be open with me and I need to be open with you about what the expectation is. And so putting systems in place where each person isn't held to different standards, right? They're individualized, like the quality or the level I expect someone to be at or the amount I expect them to produce or do will vary. If it's your first year, that's different than if it's your seventh year and you want to be a leader. Mm -hmm. Like that's, it's very different, but the foundation is the same. That accountability piece puts, like, I imagine it can be uncomfortable for you because you do have to have a willingness to have uncomfortable conversations with people and address those issues. Um, The podcast that I was listening to ahead of time was talking about how there's such a negative connotation around accountability, like, such as, like, you're going to do this thing and I'm holding you accountable, but the guy was just saying how there's also such a positive side. And so something I wrote down in my own notes is like being able to hold people gently accountable because I think accountability is such a huge piece, but you also have to have 
like prioritize humanity and knowing that like somebody's not always going to get it right or they might need those reminders like you were saying yeah I think that idea of like the human side of things came up for me and this is another one of the big points that I wrote down was like each individual in my care in my whatever in my purview of my job recognizing noticing acknowledging valuing each individual as a person first not an employee only yeah So we all have lives outside of the job, right? So knowing about those lives, and you don't have to tell me your life story, but know enough so I can be like, how was that camping trip with your son? Or, oh my gosh, we had a, you know, my son had a football game on Saturday. Did yours get rained out too? Like little moments of connection cannot be understated. We talked about that in many episodes, including like friendship and things like that. So those moments of genuine connection humanizes the work. And not only like us to our own employees or whatever that looks like, your own team, if you're a coach or your own whatever, um, but also models that those individuals, like in my case, like each of them go out to eight different campuses or nine different campuses that they work with, they hopefully then will be doing that with their teachers. And with their students. And just the spider web effect of the ripple effect, right? Like if I see you as a human and treat you as such with that accountability, but gentleness and acknowledgement that like I don't expect everyone to be 100% every day. Um, hopeful that that kind of models that for them to do with everyone else that they touch, right? Because you can't help but value and appreciate that for yourself so of course then I imagine you would want to model as you're saying perfect yeah that's exactly it I think with that there comes this um earned trust that um that requires some vulnerability right like as a leader whatever position you're in like having moments where you humanize the work, you pause the work to like, let's just all just talk about our weekend for a minute or, hey, we're supposed to have a meeting today. We have a pretty light agenda, um, but we recognize that you guys need some time to connect and have a moment outside of the crazy. And so we're going to keep our light agenda. We're all going to get together and we're all going to bring potluck, like a food to share, you know, so we can kind of be human for a minute and right. take a break and connect and the importance of connection. Cause then when you're in a hard situation, you already have that earned shared trust and vulnerability. Um, yeah, I think that's big is like everyone is coming to work, not just as a machine to produce. And I think that's maybe what the workforce used to be. Um, and in some places still is for sure, but it's, I am hopeful. Um, and maybe it's cause I work in like a human servicey type industry and always have and always will. But I am hopeful that some of the, we talked about this in the work life balance episode that like, hopefully as a general statement, although it's kind of produce, 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 do more, do more, do more, do more. There's also this recognition of people are pushing back on that a little bit and saying, like, 
I want to be part remote or I am going to work from home one day a week or I am going to not just let hours and days and months of sick time or vacation time pile up. Like I'm going to take the time off that I earned. Um, All of those pieces, like I'm hopeful that we're going in that direction or um, those things can be kind of facilitated a little bit um, because everyone is a person first and just the way the workforce is right now, like people have options, right? So I know that people on my team can leave and go find another job fairly easily. Right. Right. And so what is going to keep them? It's certainly not the pay in our field. It's not that our job is easy and always fun. Um, It's not like there's a lot of things stacked against us. So like what can we influence and what can we help foster that's going to create that environment that making a difference isn't always enough, right? Like there has to be more. Um, Yeah. And that's where a lot of this comes into play. I think that supportive environment. That shift towards better understanding and just more of like that work-life balance. I think that can only come in like getting more people on board is through seeing how much that gives back to the company or back to the organizations because almost like the self-care thing like as much as you don't want to slow down because you think that it's stopping you from being productive like actually in the long time long term it's making you more productive and it makes me think the same thing where allowing more flexibility and humanity in your employees is actually going to benefit you in the long term but you almost have to have proof of that first Yes, 100% that, because it feels like if we slow down for even a minute, balls are going to drop, right? And I had a friend recently shared on her social media, um, hey Jackie, that they were talking to one of their friends about the idea of like, I think it was like glass jars or plastic jars or like glass balls and plastic balls, whatever, right? So when you're juggling all these things in the air, sometimes in order to keep things that we need to prioritize kids, health, um, relationships, whatever, whatever that may be. In order to keep those afloat, you have to let a plastic ball drop. It's not going to break, but it can't be in the air at 100% right now. And being aware of what are your glass balls or jars or whatever they are and what are plastic. And if we're really honest, um, work often is like our glassiest glass ball, (laughs) like our most fragile ball. And we treat other things as plastic and we let them drop, right? Like we let a relationship suffer. We let our health or our happiness even like fall and be plastic. And the, this work idea is like held to this. It's the most important thing. Girl, that shit is plastic. Like let it fall like at the end of the day it's still going to be there like we've talked about all those things but having said that that requires that a leader models that right so like I had family in town this weekend and we tell people all the time like it's your days take the days as long as your stuff is covered if you need help covering it let us know but take your days like we know burnout is real and we respect that you have a family and a life and all those things. and But if we're never modeling that, like if I never took a day off, or I was at work, even when I'm feeling so sick, 
they're like, well, if she's not taking it off, I can't either, right? And so, for example, like family was in town on Monday. We didn't have big plans to go anywhere or do anything, but I don't see them that often. And so I took Monday off and we had a chill day where we went out to lunch and went to the bookstore. And like I did that with them. And I'm not hiding that for my staff. Like, hey, guys, I'm out today. Like, I have family in town. Yep. Or today I was at a meeting and this nasally and not feeling great. And I was like, okay, I'm going home. Like, I'm going to leave at noon. I'm going to take some medicine. I'm going to be napping. Like, when I feel better and I wake up in a few hours, I'll be available if you guys need me. Like, send me an email. Send me a text. I'll get back to you when I wake up. Yep. And so we have to be willing to model the things that we're preaching as well. Because that builds the humanity, the trust, the connection, all of those things. I think the connection that you touched on is so key. I don't know where I heard this, but maybe it was like on a podcast. Somebody said recently, like, you should always begin your emails with some sort of connection before you're jumping into whatever request or update you're giving somebody. And I was like, whoa, like, I definitely don't do that. And so it's something I've been trying to do. Um but yeah, to have a well-oiled and functioning team, you definitely have to have that element of connection. And I think that's why so many organizations and workplaces have team-building exercises because because of that importance. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of them are almost just checking a box, and I don't think they're actually striving for that or doing what it takes to actually build a connected team yeah I mean it's it's super easy to say let's have a team building day and you plan it and it's all fun and that's hunky-dory but when you're not doing it every single day people see through that shit like okay or we're at the beginning no one likes a freaking icebreaker and if you're just doing it because that's what you do not because there's any real intentionality in it or yeah you do that once a month we have a fun we order pizza for the team, but there's no like genuine in the little moments or in the day to day. I'm in it with you. You um, can feel that it's. You can feel that, and that it almost is more infuriating when then they try and they claim like we have a great culture. Um, that just infuriates people even more, and so I did like touch on that too. Is like. Leading by example, not just modeling the behaviors that they you want them to do, which is important, like take the day off or um, ask the hard questions. Um, a willingness to be in the work. So even if what you're coming to me with like isn't my role, but you're struggling with it, or you're saying for me, for example, it's like working with this one kid or this one teacher is really hard. Instead of just like sitting behind my desk and being like, well, why aren't you trying this? Or asking a question, leading question, trying to get them to get creative. It's like, okay, well, let me find some time on my calendar to go over with you and see what you're seeing. Experience what you're experiencing. Connecting with that teacher, that admin that's tricky or whatever it is. And so a willingness to be in the work. And I've had situations where like I show up and they're like, oh my gosh, you shouldn't have to be the one to like take that kid to the bathroom. I'm like, why? Like I'm not any better than you. Like I can be in this work with you. And if we're not willing to be in the work, we have, in my opinion, no business being the one to lead the people doing the work. Mm-hmm. 
Like if your disconnect is so far, like if I'm so far removed or I'm so much higher or so much better than you that I'm not willing to be in the work, you can also sense a disconnect of like, there's going to be an instant lack of credibility and respect because you've been removed or not in it for so long. Right. And then no one's going to believe what you're saying or what you're asking them to do because you don't know what hard is. I made a list of like, what I look for in a leader and then I jotted down some things and one of those on the list was being humble and not having like this arrogance of exactly what you said like I'm better than you or I'm above that blah 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 Um, and although I didn't think of this I'm so glad you named it because I think it's very important as a leader that you are able to, or at the very least, willing to step into anybody's role of those that you are leading. Um, I think very often that's not the case, and it makes it so that you have no empathy or understanding for what employees, for this example, like you have no idea what your employees are actually working on or going through. Yeah, this can also be like a coach, hypothetically. Like if I'm asking you to do 100 burpees, or like run all these sprints. And I'm not saying that a coach has to do all that either. But like if you're not willing to like go model what the exercise is or get in a scrimmage gate or like whatever, I think it just builds like instant credibility and camaraderie and trust when you're in it sometimes. Yeah. And I did um, I have this thought of like a shared vulnerability where we can like feel the feels together. So, like, we can say that, I've said this in another episode, like, October is a super hard month in education, special education, especially. And so it's like, oh, my God, we can commiserate for a minute together. Like, oh, my God, I'm overwhelmed and I'm stressed and not only are my employees feeling that, like, I can be vulnerable and say I'm in that boat too or whatever whatever it is, right? We can feel the feels. Like, this situation, this month, this week, this specific meeting is going to be or is or was super difficult, right? I'm drained. We can feel the feels, right? And we should. We should have a shared vulnerability. However, we do that, but then we can't live there, yeah. right? So there's also cultures where we just live in and lay down to this idea of like, it's always hard and it's awful and we just all come to work and we're all miserable, like, That's bullshit. We can feel it, not pretend that it's not there. We don't need a toxic positivity of like, it's all sunshine and rainbows. It's not, right? So we don't want this toxic toxic positivity because that does feel fake. People start to tune out and you lose credibility real fast. What can happen or what I find beneficial, I don't know, in yes, acknowledge it, feel it with them right, with them, that empathy, but knowing that we can't live there and there's a huge power of, like, perspective, right? So have you guys thought about this? Or, like, I hear what you're saying and that is really hard. Pause. Like, it's hard. No one's saying it's not. But in this situation, if this other department or this other person or this other family member, right? It, it, in the culture of your team leader mm-hmm. thing, 
this power I find of perspective, no matter what position you're in, right? So in a workplace, on a team, um, in your family, whatever it is, there's a power of perspective. So have we ever, in this situation, put ourselves in the other person's shoes, right? So in this situation, have you thought about, you know, this person is also dealing with this and this and this. And from their perspective, like they're the ones that are going to have to answer the phone call. So what they need from us right now might be X, Y, Z, right? So that power of role playing a little bit or bringing to light the perspective of other people. And that sometimes is enough to be like, you're right. This sucks, but I get it. I mean, I don't want to hear what you're saying, but you're right. They do have a lot on their plate. So maybe I should give them some grace or whatever it is. And so that vulnerability of like, yeah, this situation sucks. It's hard. Can't deny that. Right? Pause. Let it sit. Like be empathetic. But then not turning to the opposite of the spectrum where we're being toxic and positive of like it's fine it's it'll get better don't worry about it tomorrow will be a great day that's bullshit people see through it only if we're working through it is it going to be a better day yeah exactly so feel the feels but we can't live here right that's another thing that I wrote on my list of what I look for in a leader was a growth mindset and then in parentheses next to that I put not complacency which We had a whole topic on that. Like, I think for somebody to end at, yeah, this sucks, like, that's where the complacency would show up. It's the but, and then gently holding them accountability, uh, accountable to move forward is so key. Right. Like, also reminding people of, like, what's in our control and what's out of our control. So, like, in in said situation, um, they're not doing X, Y, Z. It's like, I get that, but our role is, like, coaching and almost consulting, kind of. So, like, if we're frustrated with the teacher for not doing something, at the end of the day, like, I'm not writing that teacher's review. I'm just advising the teacher and coaching the teacher and then sharing maybe with that administrator what I've experienced. But, like... I, at the end of the day, can't hold that person accountable, which is really tricky and is a hard thing that my team struggles with sometimes. And so just a gentle reminder of like, okay, that part is out of your control, but what is your in your control? Maybe your approach can be different. Maybe the order in which we're prioritizing addressing things with them can be shifted. Maybe, you know, whatever it is. And so looking at the perspective and then what's in my control and what's out of my control. Because if we spend too much time dwelling on what's out of my control, we're going to be in that negativity spiral, right? And it's going to be really hard to pull ourselves out. Exactly. And then we're just going further down the road instead of um, more up. So that's a piece of that. Um, I had a couple more things that I thought was really important is that a leader to me, which brought me to that complacency and contentment again or more the complacency piece is like a leader is open to receiving feedback and their own growth so not this situation of like 
I am all knowing and everything I say is gospel and do it or humble. whatever. Yeah, being humble and like, you guys, in that situation, I did not handle that well. Or being able sometimes like in my role, you know, some of the people I'm helping supervise are like, they've been teachers forever and ever and ever. And in actuality, I wasn't for a long time. So going to them and being like, um, on this paperwork, I know I'm supposed to know this, but like, I don't. So can you show me like, and letting them have an opportunity to teach me something. Um, that takes you being very vulnerable. Right. To admit that. Yes. And so again, if I'm modeling that vulnerability genuinely, not just like asking them for help on something I didn't need help with, they see through that shit too. But like, I genuinely need help with this. And like, this feels really weird that I have to ask you for help with this, but I'm never going to learn, blah, 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 if I'm not shown how. Um, Yeah, so modeling that vulnerability and then open to receiving that feedback. Like if someone comes to me and says, it seemed kind of unfair how I was held to this standard when you usually like revisit expectations and the situation, it wasn't brought up all year and now you're bringing it up now and that feels, but you're referencing something from three months ago that feels out of character for you and unfair to me. You're right. Like I shouldn't be overgeneralizing one situation to how I think about you in one way in this whole, you know, as an overall statement. So I think being open to that feedback. Yeah. Very tough. And wanting to like grow my, like as a leader, like grow yourself. So, right, we've been working on, like, writing our beginning of the year goals, um, you know, or things that we want to work on this year. And so, like, for me, again, it's that growth mindset, values, all the purpose of this whole thing, right? And so I was asking my boss, like, what are some areas I could work on? And genuinely wanting to know so I can continue to grow. And, like, a couple of them he said, he's like, this could be your goal. And I'm like, that would be too easy. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, I could accomplish that goal in a week or two. Like, and if it needs to get done, we can do it. Like that could be a short-term goal. But I want to challenge myself to grow in a way that's going to be uncomfortable and require some intentionality. Um, And I need to model that. Like I need to model that I struggle also through a goal or that I need help reaching something. And so if I'm just picking these small goals that are easy to attain – how can I be asking my team to pick larger big picture goals that are going to require effort, right? So he was like, why wouldn't you just do it? Because then you could just say it's done. I'm like, yeah, but that's not how I work. It's deeper than that. Yeah, I want to be challenged and I want to model that for my team. Right. Yeah. You mentioned it very early on and I had it in my own notes that leadership a lot of what we've talked about has focused on the workplace and leadership exists outside of the workplace, which is a new idea for me. I think when I thought of leaders, I thought of like in sports or work only. Um, but what other areas does leadership show up for you and what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Um, you would ask me that. I, I was saying that's not just in the workplace or whatever. Um, <laughs> I think about like in a family system. So I've been thinking about this a lot is like oftentimes, not always, 
oftentimes, like in a in the nuclear family, you know, kids, parents, whatever that looks like, the default parent becomes the mom per se, right? So, or it that is not in every situation, and I am very much aware of that. Um, but oftentimes, right, as a norm, it is. Um, so having said that, that's exhausting, right? And that's a lot in the mental load. And we've talked about that before too, of just being the keeper of all the things, right? Just who has to wear what on what day and what day do we practice? And how are we going to pick this kid up from a play date and pack the lunches and refill the lunch account and sign this permission slip and all the, all the things. Okay. There is a point where. And again, it depends on your kids' ages, but mine are eight and nine. And so we're definitely getting or are in the point where there's more opportunity for me to, and I don't always do this well, but for me to practice some of these skills like at home. So, um, well, the the first three things we talked about with empowerment and building of the independence. So like a genuine belief in my kids in this situation, um, the willingness to challenge them. Like if I challenge them, I am challenged back. Um, I That's not understated. And then this willingness to not just give them an answer, which is going to be faster and more efficient, right? Which is also something I value. So sometimes it's counterintuitive, but to ask leading questions to get them to come up with their own solutions or their own answers or their own dig in deeper to their own thoughts and feelings. Um, And so I think there are situations in this example, like as a mom, where I'm having shared vulnerability. Like, guys, I am really tired and I am tapped out tonight. And I'm going to be really honest, like I'm feeling irritable and I am not being my best self, right? And so like acknowledging those things and being vulnerable and leading by example of... um. I'm willing to do the same chores I'm asking you to do or whatever that is. So like, I think the motherhood one for me just came up because recently I've, the last couple of days just kind of felt the weight of that default, but also knowing that sometimes I take on more than I need to when if I just employed some of these strategies that I use all the time, if I use them at home, Right. Like the effects would be deeper and more long-term in growing their independence. So I think that's another area um, for me that I see leadership not always overlap, but this is causing me to reflect that like there's more space for that to be employed at home as right. well. It's like all those same skills and approaches transfer over into the situation of family, but it's kind of like you were saying with the schools, like we have these expectations for each of them, but it looks very different. And so it kind of sounds like just the same. You have these same approaches at home. They just look different. Yeah. And I think some of these, con- like some of these concepts too, um, like I was thinking about the friendship episode that we did is like empowering our friends, like being vulnerable, like a lot of these skills transfer, right? And whether or not I would like, I wouldn't define myself as like a leader in a friendship because it's mutual in two ways and no one's like in charge of the other. But 
many of the characteristics, I think, of what a leader is lends itself well to having healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. Well, that brings up an interesting topic because it's almost like there's a hierarchy. Am I saying that word right? Yep. I never know. Yep. Like, I don't think, I think that we naturally think leader means like you're top of the food chain, but I don't, like I myself like go to that automatically, but I don't think it necessarily has to be. Like, I think you probably are like in in our relationship, I view you as a leader, but that doesn't mean you're like better than me or above me. I think to me, a leadership role is just somebody that I can look up to or somebody that inspires and challenges me. But it does take shifting that lens we have on leadership. Oh, absolutely. Like the first note I wrote down, the first thing I wrote down in all caps was the idea of a leader or demonstrating leadership qualities does not, all caps bolded, is not based on position or title. Hmm. I have, even in a workplace, I have been in many workplaces where within a team, the person that you see kind of naturally leading or people gravitating to or modeling after is like very much on the same quote unquote level or even right. below or whatever, right? In this hierarchy. Yeah. Um, because why we don't label in black and white that's right. thinking people. You're black and white <laughs> thinking people. That, um, yeah, it doesn't have to be based on that in order to exude some of these characteristics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool stuff. I know. I think a big, the last thing that was like important to me, the two words that um, came up and just sharing like the humanity kind of side of things is the idea that allowing space for celebration and joy. So, like, in my workplace, like, as a district, we have, like, district norms, right? And there are things that we talk, like, go over yeah. before every meeting, right? Like, what are the norms? And one of them is, um, it's something like, I should know this off the top of my head. We do it every day. Like, find the joy. It's okay to laugh. So, like, allowing for space, even in a very serious meeting, or even in a situation that's, like, really hard, or <laughs> even in... My kid's driving me crazy, but then makes some funny, sarcastic comment that I shouldn't reinforce, but I do because I laugh. Like, finding finding, and allowing space to share joy, like, that connects you, you know? Yeah, like, less rigidity. Yeah, the le- yeah, less rigid. And then the other piece to that was, like, having a passion for your work. And again, I very much understand that not everyone is in like a career field. Like it might, again, be a job for the moment. Um, And that's okay too. But again, if we're looking in like the big picture scheme of leadership and not only in workplace, um, how contagious passion is. Yes, yes, yes. So if you're actively um, putting in effort to be engaged and present where you're at. And then you bring some joy and passion and for me like advocacy. And I 
no one could tell from this podcast that when I talk, not today because of this sinus shit, but like passionate, right? Intense, whatever those words were, like (laughs) about pretty much everything. Like that is contagious though. Yeah. And so being able to, again, just intentionally or not model that it's okay to show that passion, um, can kind of inspire others too. Like that joy and passion just really came up for me as well. I couldn't agree with that more. Yeah. I just, there's so many layers and I think it's for me, like the big pieces that came up was like empowerment, vulnerability, systems, and then like human the humanity in it. Yeah. Are kind of like the pieces. Anybody and everybody can be a leader, no matter what circle or area of life that looks like for you. That's something I feel like I need to remind myself of and kind of explore what leadership looks like in my own life. Oh yeah, I can I think Because if you boil down, like you did the practice, right? Maybe this is what people could do too, is like, when I think of a leader, these are traits I see. Very often, we gravitate towards or connect with or have more of a trust with people who have shared values or characteristics that are also important to us. And so it's probably likely that whatever you're listing that's important to you in a leader, you also have a lot of those skills in you, right? So if you're listing vulnerability is important to you or um, finding the humor is important to you or whatever, right? It's very likely that you yourself have those things in you that you are going to be able to develop too. So I think that's a cool concept of just the reflection is going to actually maybe be a mirror into areas that can further be developed for you in all areas of your life as well. That's encouraging to hear too. You got it. You're in it. Woo. <laughs> all right. I love this shit. Okay. That was fun. I think, yeah, leadership in general is really important to me and intriguing. And there's like so much research or just like thought processes around it that um, there's always more to learn and kind of discover and I don't think being stagnant is ever an option if you're looking for leadership because there's always 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 in every area of our life but definitely in this leadership idea like always room to grow and develop and reflect and refine and that's maybe why I like it because there's always room for that continued growth and challenge that's right alright so everyone I don't care what your job is I don't care where you are in life Go be a leader.